You got your mama's sunshine. You got your daddy's rain. You're like a piece of heaven in a hurricane. Hey there, welcome to this week's podcast. I am Josh Vietti. This is Pastor Tom Touchstone, Pastor Ron Vietti, Vincent Sierra. I'm back. And Vince is back. Hey. Yeah, he's uh, well. Are you doing better? I am allegedly better. Um, I, I, like heard, I heard I was allegedly sick last week because I tried to dodge a topic. Um, and so I wasn't going to let Pastor Tom off the hook for that uh, one. I didn't. I, I, allegedly. I may have insinuated that. Supposedly. Well, you know, sometimes the, the topics are tough that we're talking about here yeah. today. But that's the whole purpose of doing this is we want to talk about things that the church uh, in general inco- isn't talking about. Make you a little uncomfortable. Yeah. So well, We want to talk about stuff we wouldn't talk about in the pulpit. Right. Well, it's um, the pulpit is a sacred mm-hmm. space. Yes, it is. And we're there to do a specific job. Mm-hmm. And I see it as... No different than the oil field worker that is trying to produce oil, uh, the doctor who's trying to, uh, you know, help uh, sick somebody who's sick, their patients. So when it comes down to it, on Sunday mornings, our job is to share the the, the Bible, what the, the good Bible news. teaches, uh, share about Jesus, share about um, our uh, salvation and, and redemption in Christ, and um, and that's what our job is on Sundays. This is outside of the realm of that, but. We are going to talk a little bit today about our Christianity, and uh, and the question that we have today that we're going to put down on the table is, is our Christianity relevant today? In 2023, you know, we have um, a lot of political uh, talk going on in our culture. Uh, it seems like that's about all we're going to get for the next year and a half. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting year. I'm nervous uh, about you know, um, how our society is going to react to uh, the, yeah. the political fights that we're up against next year. I hope we don't see riots in the streets again. I hope we don't see, uh, you know, a lot of these things that uh, that we've that we've seen um, during election years. And so uh, but we have to gear up for that stuff. And so, you know, it's OK for us to have political opinions. It's OK for us to be political. But Ultimately, today we're going to talk about Christianity and what our faith means, and um, and its relevancy to the world. Yeah, I mean, what is it? How? What does it mean? I mean, we have Tucker Carlson yeah. who just got let go. I heard rumors that he got let go because of his religious beliefs, and then I heard other people say that's not true. That's that's a bunch of junk. And so, uh, I don't know what it is, but I know that people do talk about it, and uh, there's a certain group of the population that would rather us not talk about it. But you know, that's just not who we are. And we have opinions. We have a right to our opinions. Uh, talking about Christianity and its relevance to the world today, I like what someone once said. They said, only recently I heard a prominent entertainer say that the church has no meaning to young people because for them it has no answers, either for their personal problems or for the problems of the world. Where this is actually the case may not the reason be, he said, that the modern church is abandoning its God-ordained role in the world to become involved in areas to which it was not called and to which its leadership is not qualified. Hmm. I like that. Now, I want to say two things about what that man wrote. Number one, maybe the church has failed this world in this area, but don't blame God for it. Gandhi said, I like your Christ, just don't like your Christians. Hmm. That's the first thing. The second thing is... And I'm going to confess here. I'm going to confess my sin in this area. I've asked God to forgive me for occasionally in the past 
being more part of the problem than the solution. I know there have been times that I have turned the younger generation off when I have let my emotions get the best of me when I'm speaking. And when I have been trying to get a truth across, very often I get so worked up and I'm on uh, the clock. And so instead of taking my time to explain the basis for my truth, sometimes I just throw it out there in a sentence or two and I go on. And I think sometimes they hear me say something that maybe I didn't intend to say. They hear me say something that's so generic that it, it can be taken in a variety of ways. Hmm. But if they heard the reason why I made that statement, if I slowed down, took my time, and said the reason I'm making this statement is because of A, B, C, D, E, F, I might win my audience over. Hmm. But I get such in a rush that I go, and you know what I believe, Da-da, and I go on and they go, I'm not sure I believe that. I have to slow down. I have to slow down. So I think today uh, the Lord is being blamed for a lot of stuff and a lot of problems that the church is causing, and they're not representing him well. Well, it's difficult. Um, public speaking in general is not easy. And when you are speaking on a Sunday morning and you have 30 minutes, we were just talking about the optimal time for a sermon, and uh, we agree that 30 minutes is a good time. But when you have 30 minutes to get across your point, you, you don't have time to explain the whys or the uh, or the reasons behind the reasons and, and you know what you're trying to explain. And so um, it's difficult for us to... Um, for, to, to help people understand where we're coming from sometimes. And that's what's cool about this format right here yeah. is we have an opportunity to kind of uh, share our yeah. uh, personalities but also our background and, you know, why we, we believe. But I made a promise to myself, and I'm going to try to stick to it. Don't throw anything out there that's rather controversial unless you're going to take the time to explain why you're saying what you're saying. And that is a bad habit of mine. I just imply that everybody knows the background of why I'm saying right. what I'm saying. And a lot of the young people listening for the first time go, we don't know your background, and we're not sure we believe in that. Mm. And you might be hypocritical in our eyes because of what you're saying, but if they heard of my reasoning behind it, they would understand that I'm not being hypocritical. Again, does that make sense? No, I, yeah, I, totally. I, I, I want to do well, that. Well, you, um, you don't have any idea of like people's background, the way they were raised, the things they've gone through. And because you, have the, you don't have that context, sometimes you, when you hear somebody say something, you don't fully understand what they're saying because they have all this history behind what they're saying, but they don't have that same history. So, well, yeah, that's good. if anyone out there, uh, you know, was on the other side of the fence, when we say Christianity, we believe it is relevant to the world today. Uh, for example, if you look at Luke 6, 31, Tell me this is not relevant for most everyone. And just as you want people to treat you, treat them in the same way. If we went by that and went by the golden rule of love, it would be relevant for everybody. I don't know of anyone who doesn't want to be treated like you would treat yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the right context, do I think the church is relevant today? Oh, yes, absolutely. So... So that's going to be our subject today. We're going to talk about this. We're going to kind of tear it apart a little bit. You know, I think I come from a little different thing because I do step, you know, there again. I, I, I'm kind of a little more out there than I think you guys are. I think the problem begins a step further because, Pastor, you do a great job explaining yourself. Problem is, we're not attracting them to come into the doors. Yeah, because yeah. of their preconceived ideas about the church, I think. So, so... so Whose fault is that? Is it theirs or ours? I think collectively it's ours. Yes. 
And, 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 and I think if we proceed with that, sometimes I think we fail at that job because somehow that you got to go out there. I'll go back to Josh and I at Cal State last week. We went out there and we ended up re, re, getting some people who still aren't believers, but they came to church because mm-hmm. we were out there. And you've said it forever. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Yes. I mean, Josh told me one time, Tom, no one's going to get mad at you for loving them too much. So we have to find a way because they are pastor. These kids, Wall Street Journal, I love to look. My daughter talks to me all the time and um, uh, about, Tom, don't, Dad, don't just go through the and cherry pick the things you want to see. Go to the opposite. Go to the, the, the things that you are hard to read. And, I, and so I'll go to the Wall Street Journal. And they said that... Um, um, half of the people, the, ch- the uh, young people, 13 to 25, surveyed said that the relis- religious institutions don't care about the issues that deeply matter to them. Right. That's, that's what they're saying. So somewhere they've picked up on that, whether somebody's told them that. And so we got to realize we're out there in a battle that we may not even sometimes get fairly judged for not even get to play. It's like playing a game that you right. don't even get to, you know, I'm on the bench all the time. So, so I think there's a point here where we have to realize that we're dealing with something. And I, Pastor, you've said it, it could be more generational, where the, the, we're going to have to use a different method to reach some of these young kids who don't believe it's relevant. Because I do believe, who I was a heathen for 34 years, that I was looking for the relevancy in something, and I found it in Christ. Yeah. And 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 so, and I, I I don't know if it's different back then. I'll listen to my my girls who go to church every Sunday, and they'll they they've been around churches and they and they've listened to a pastor tell them what's wrong with this generation. And they'll look at their friends and they go, "Well, we're here in the church, mm-hmm. yeah. so we're not who you're talking about." But it offends them, which I think it should, you know, because they're they're sitting there going, "Well, we're here, we're we're part of your group." speak to us, give us life on something else. Well, my wife caught me several times in the past saying something about the millennials. She goes, wait a minute, your granddaughter and grandsons are millennials and they are good God-fearing kids. You're generalizing. Yeah. Anytime, I think anytime we generalize, it's, uh, it's a problem. You can't do that because individuals are individuals. And it's, you know, the reason that we do generalize, the reason we do group up people is because it's easier. It's just easier. At the end of the day, it's easier to organize our thoughts about, uh, you know, certain people groups if we put them in those people groups. But, but then don't we start speaking just to the people in our club? Yeah. Like if, yeah. We're, if we're just... I out- mean, at the end of the day, it's lazy, Tom. I mean, I, how many people have you um, counseled over the years, you guys, and you heard about their issue and you might have had preconceived ideas, but then you sit down and talk to them and you're like, oh, that's something I didn't realize or that's something I didn't realize. You start to realize that right. the individual uh, person that's going through this has a different background or a different, uh, you know, thought I, I guess I talk to so many people who don't believe like we do. Right. And as I'm in a Starbucks or I'm out someplace and I'm talking to them, they go, well, I didn't know that. Exactly. And, and, and so, so but, but, but you're saying, so come and and so it's almost like they've got to hear it from somebody who's representing. We have it. to redefine evangelism, though. Yeah. The church is not out here to evangelize. If I read the Bible correctly, the church is to, and I'll use your words, sometimes to talk to the club. Mm-hmm. Really, honestly, and it's the club's uh, responsibility mm-hmm. to go out there and win the lost. It's their responsibility to have a cup of coffee with this younger generation, explain things to them. We can't do that. Relationships. And, and 30, 45 yeah. minutes in the church in the morning is not going to be 
uh, feasible well, to do church that. Church leaders are called by Paul. He, he uh, tells us to equip, right? Equip the saints so they do the work of ministry. Right. And so the church is supposed to do the ministry, but the leaders are supposed to equip the, the people. Yes. And uh, that's our job. And it's yes. v- very difficult to do on a Sunday morning. Um, and so uh, I would, if I were somebody who uh, goes to church on a regular basis, I would encourage them to delve into all the resources that their church offers. Also delve into all the resources that you can get your hands on to become the best uh, possible um, uh, a spouse or I don't know if that's a okay, word. Okay, I just had a crazy t- idea. Best- I just had a crazy idea. And obviously this won't float. But what if you had a, a, a table outside the church in the foyer or in the yard or whatever? And like, what do they call the uh, geniuses at... Uh, Apple genius. Apple geniuses. geniuses. Yeah, genius bar. What if you had 20 people sitting out there? For you new people that heard this sermon for the first time, if you have any questions, go out to uh, the genius, the, the whatever bar, and there's a person out there that's waiting to go to coffee with you and spend an hour with you explaining mm-hmm. what you just heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and Tom said too, what's going to be the bridge? Hopefully podcasts like this will serve as a bridge. Well, well, well I still think we're talking to a select audience because these kids are saying they aren't even going to the church to go find the right. genius bar. Right, Josh. Tonight you're on a Zoom meeting, right? Uh, this afternoon, yeah. To talk about what you guys are going to do next at Cal State. Yeah, I'm just kind of a fly on the wall, but yeah, I'm going to be hearing um, about the ideas about going to there where they city does where they Cal live. State. Yeah, go, go invading their yeah. territory where yeah. they live, and then I think then having the geniuses in right. their element. Well, it, Tom, it's we, uncomfortable. We don't even have to go out to them. We're already among them. We work with them. Every we go day. to school with yes. them. We live next door to them. That's the way evangelism is supposed to work. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to work that way. You're supposed to each go out. You're to be having coffee with them, explaining things to mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes we put the responsibility on the church to do what the individual is supposed to be doing. I think also there's a big misunderstanding of why people come into church because I think a lot of people come in, they're new, and they think their goal is, and it's not a knock on what you're saying, but is to get as religious as possible and do all the right things and say all the right things and memorize all these scriptures and and read all the right books and be part of all these different clubs and all this, all this. All, but then those same people don't turn around and affect the people in their neighborhoods. Right. You know, they, they're not going back to Matthew 25 and going into the prisons, there for the poor, um, there for the hungry, the needy. Um, they're not going back to Luke 3 when he says, if the brother has a tunic, give him the second tunic. So there's this big disconnect of like creating these ultimate Christians, but then never doing anything they're, they're with that. They're playing church, Vince. Use two really silly illustrations I used to use decades ago. Every Christian is supposed to be like the sponge. Every morning you're supposed to get just saturated and then you're going to go squeeze that out in the world all day long. You're supposed to be a dump truck. Right. Get filled but up imagine, and take it out and dump what you, but imagine you, you went have to received. But imagine you went to school your whole life to be a doctor, and then you, you have all this knowledge, and then somebody all of a sudden has a heart attack in front of you, and you're like, I could help them. Eh, nah, I need to go read some more because I'm, sh- I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> I might maybe. get sued. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. because you, so it, it's, and, and, and I think that's. I might get I'm canceled. Not, Right. And I'm not and I'm not generalizing young people, but I think that in the walking inside the doors, I think that's what's closing the doors for new people. They look in, they go, well, what does that have to offer me if it's not helping the people around me? If it's not serving the people around me, if it's not loving around the people around me, why would I even go through those doors? But but if someone's having coffee with them and and sharing the gospel with them and spending time with them, that might be the 
the the the invite they need to so come into the church. On the other end, it's really uh, it's really cool when you're seeing the church be the church. And I I had a recent example of that. We did actually, Vince. Um, there was a guy at church who was upset about something, and one of our uh, security guys, Esteban. He, he he met with this guy in the gym and talked to him a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, whether it was successful or not, I don't know. But the fact that he went out of his way yeah. in his environment to talk to somebody to try to bring them uh, back into, uh, you know, good grace with the church, uh, that was really cool. And, 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 I, and I do see people out there and about, you know, people like Mike Harvey and people um, who, that we know yeah. that are out here, Jonathan Rizzo, these guys that are, are out there, they're doing it, you know, right. and, and they, no one's forcing them to, right. No one is, um, uh, you know, they don't get paid. They're, they're not, these guys are doing it there because they, because they love God really ultimately. Right. And, and that's so encouraging to me to see that. So some guys are some, some guys, I mean, I, I don't know a lot of women, but I know guys. So uh, I know we, that there's a lot of women out there right. doing the same thing, but you know, the, the church is being the church to an extent. But we, we yeah. can't expect the church to do what the individual Christian is well, supposed to do. Right. Well, you, you know what's interesting? This is always uncomfortable for me. I'm, to say, I'm confused on that. I, I, when you say that, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the church as the church and then oh, church okay, leaders. Yeah, I, I'm right. saying the church as a collective. In other words, let me rephrase that. We can't expect the church on Sunday to do what we're as individuals to do during the week. So the church leaders. Yeah. In other words, you know, there used to be, and you guys haven't been around the church world long enough to know this. But we used to think we're supposed to evangelize in the church. And Chuck Smith was a good illustration of this. So one day God spoke to him and said, look, he said, you know what? You never see a shepherd out in the foothills with a manual trying to show the sheep how to reproduce. All he does is feeds them and keeps them strong and they automatically reproduce. So I'm saying, it, we can't take the full burden of saying, Young people, you have to come here to hear us to get saved. Right. No, we're to go out to where they're at, have coffee with them, show an interest in them. Uh, so I'm just, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I think I was just We term, equip the saints. Who does the work of the ministry? Yeah. The saints do. Well, well right. they, I, so, so this is always uncomfortable for me to talk around you guys, but I'm going to be in Nashville a year from today, and I talked to a city leader of Nashville, and he, I'm telling him about what I'm going to do, I'm gonna, I was talking to him, he goes, Tom, we're really excited about what you're going to do. But it's going to be hard because you work for a church. I go, no, you misunderstand me. I won't be working for a church when I come out here doing it. And I go, but the thing you're thinking about is I'm not going to be the same guy that I am when I work for the church. And you are going to be. Yeah, I'm going to be the same guy. I told him, I go, see, you're getting it wrong. I said, I'm going to be the same guy whether I work for a church or I'm working to help first responders get mental health. Yeah. And, and, and I said, I said, so, but, and I said, what you don't understand is we need the faith community involved because that's where these guys yeah. are going to go back to. Well, you and, 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 and so all of a sudden he saw a problem with the church and I was like, no, no, no. The people like Pastor Ron says that come out of the church that are supposed to do for the work for the ministry are going to be the same. Well, a couple of years ago, people don't know this, but Mark Zuckerberg reached out to churches uh, all over to right. help to, um, to see what their capacity was to help with the emergencies when right. it happened yep. um, in the community. And uh, I, I thought that was a, a real eye-opener for me to, to see somebody who's at the top of the chain when it comes to business uh, executives, and he's seen the power of, yeah. of what yes. the church can be. Yeah. And, I, and I think that's... Uh, <laughs> I was talking about uh, some experiences when I was younger to my wife the other day, and, uh, and I have these reoccurring... Um, 
weird dreams about church uh, functions, and and I'm and I and I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and I'm like frustrated. I've been having these weird, weird <laughs> dreams, uh, and so um, and just and it it comes down to uh, you know growing up with all these expectations on me, and mm-hmm. so I have like this special kind of trauma. But my wife said, <laughs> my wife said, I. I I don't understand why you don't just hate church. Like that's crazy, you know. And I right. and it's because I have the same view of the church as I do of the individual. That I don't see the church and I don't see the individual as they are. I see what they could be. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. and that to me, yeah. Is the the I mean, I hate to use the word potential, but I don't know what other word to use. The the potential, the the, the level of potential that the church has yeah. to really be yep. a source of good and a source of light and a source of help for the entire world. Yeah is is just it's bigger than anything else go back to what i was saying though i was a very confused young man because i was raised in a very hypocritical christian atmosphere but i look back and i really believe if some cool dude and there were quite a few of them around that that were even in the church and were professed to be christians if they would have shown an interest in me taken me out to coffee shared with me i probably would have been won over to christ a lot lot quicker than i was Mm -hmm. But let me go back and, and go a different direction here. I listened to a podcast this week, and uh, Jay Warner Wallace was a guest. And he was a former atheist, and he's the author of Cold Case Christianity. And he said two or three things that I want to repeat. He was an atheist, and he said that uh, one day him and his wife were talking, and they said, why don't we go down to this neighborhood church? Let's, what is all this, this, all this excitement about? You know, let's find out. He went down and listened to the pastor for two or three weeks, and he thought, I'm going to go buy a Bible and see if this Jesus guy was really who this pastor is uh, saying that he was. And he said, you know, I, I got so turned on. He said, I, I eventually gave my life to Christ. And he says, what I figured out was is that Jesus was right on. And he said, one of the reasons I believe in the Bible is the Bible makes claims about us that are totally right on. Mm. The Bible makes claims about life that we're totally right on. Mm. They do. He said, it's the one thing, Christianity and the gospel and the Bible and God, that's the one thing that can change culture, but we're not allowed to talk about it. He goes on to say, and I love this part. He said, there's a lot of stupid out there today, and the gospel has something to say about all of it. Mm -hmm. There's marriage stupid, there's social injustice stupid, there's political stupid, and the Bible addresses every one of Mm -hmm. those subjects. That's good. For example, here's a question. How many marriage problems could be solved or at least made a whole lot better if the marriage was biblically based and governed by God? What if we actually took the biblical views and loved our spouse like Jesus loves us? What if we prayed for our spouses? We served our spouses. Jesus washed feet. We forgave our spouses and, and on and on and, and even did the ultimate. Jesus gave up his life for us. What if on a regular basis we were giving up our life for our spouse? What if we loved them that much and they knew we loved them that much? Well, that's a great. Uh, that's a good the point. gospel works. What I like about that and going along also with your... Um, in reach philosophy, I guess you would say, right? Yeah. Uh, where you focus on the church and it, we, we, we build it up. Um, I, I love what Tom does. I, and I'm going to, I'm going to just make a comment about what I see you do, Tom. Tom finds people that are on the fringe that are on the, the fence a little bit that are about to go 
off the reservation, right? You seem to find these people that um, that are having a hard time, but they want to believe and they want to belong and they want to be in the right headspace, but they just don't know they can. I love it when you look out for fringe folks because um, those are the people that God is fighting for, right? Those are the people that God is is looking out for. There are certain people that it's a, it's pointless to sit down and have coffee with. Mm-hmm. Would you guys agree? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are certain people that are that are yes. just they don't like you. They don't they don't want to hear it. They don't. They don't, uh, maybe if you have something to give them, they'll listen, but ultimately you're not going to win them over. But there are some people that are fighting and they're in such a huge battle for their life that if you don't come in and have coffee with them, you don't talk to them, then they might be lost forever, you know? And, And that's, that's the truth. But let me go back to something Tom said. I think the world's kind of afraid of Tom and I'm not so sure that this isn't what they're afraid of. They're afraid that Tom's going to maybe wrongly lead them into something that doesn't work, the mm. church. And they say, hey, don't, don't, don't go out there and espouse that because we don't want you leading them back to something that we really believe well, doesn't work. I, I would assume, Tom, those people are afraid politically, right? Uh, they're afraid they're going to get chopped off if they, if they bring a church guy in. Yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It, no, th- this was a, a public official at the uh, city of Nashville. Uh, well, and, they're worried about votes. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know. I mean, I think they were <laughs> right. just you worried about the, they were just worried about the influence that would have been there, like something else would influence me. And the thing that I was telling them is Christ influences me from the inside out. Right. I mean, you can't change wh- who you wherever are. Wherever I go, I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm, right. I'm the same guy. You, you know, Pastor, help, help me with this one. Because throughout Jesus's ministry, he consistently showed up to meet both practical and spiritual needs of those he encountered. I mean, he, you know, mm-hmm. he went to the synagogue, but then he went out. And the majority of his ministry started outside. Mm-hmm. And, and help me with this, because John the Baptist, at one point in prison, sent his guys to mm-hmm. talk to Jesus and said, Paul, uh, John wants to know, are you the one we're looking for? Mm-hmm. And Jesus, I think, told him, I am. Tell him what you see me do. John's ministry was Old Testament. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And Jesus then made the statement, you can't pour old wine into new wineskins. You'll bust him. Jesus is saying, I've got a new ministry. I've got a new way. And my way is different than your way, Paul, Mm -hmm. but you are... You're seeing the right mm-hmm. things, and you did the right things. You're in yeah. jail for the right reasons. Yeah. You're talking about John. 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 Yeah. John. But he said, but, but, but am I right, Pastor? Because it, you, you see this, and so we're almost at a point where we have the right message, and now we need to be able to get it out there. Yeah. Well, I think uh, when, you, when that, we ask the question, is Christianity, going back to the beginning, is Christianity relevant? Yeah. I would say Jesus is relevant. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would too. And 100% relevant. I mean, you can't argue with what Jesus did. He right. healed, he loved, yes. he he fed, he uh, mm. he did everything that was good. He preached yeah. the good news. He said, there's, he said, I'm on my way to heaven. Who wants to go with me? You know, like that's, yeah. that's what he, that's who he was. And so, uh, but the problem is, is that many people that call themselves Christians have become ir- irrelevant completely. Right. That's just the truth. Well, I think it comes back what your dad said. I love and that what he said, that guy went and he wanted to find out the truth. Yes. So he went back and bought a Bible himself and discovered it for himself. Mm-hmm. The problem with Christianity in general is you can go to five different churches, 10 different churches that say that they're a Christian church, and you're going to get 10 different messages on what's important. You know who's irrelevant? I'll tell you who's irrelevant. The people that are on Facebook telling you how to live your life. Mm. Those people are, are completely irrelevant. You got an expert well, on TikTok. Everybody's an expert on TikTok, right? 
I'm not on right. TikTok, but saying, right, right. everybody's an expert. Right. Probably, I think yeah. those people, Josh, though, and I'm not, and I don't want to, and and this isn't me defending them. I think they think they're trying to help. They and, do, and, but they're and, not. Right. Yeah. But I'm not right. But I, but in the in the way that they were raised, in the in their ideal, they're just like this is the best they know how to do it. And they're self righteous. I mean, that's sure, the end of the but day, they're, that's and, the and they're going to have to take a step back from that whole thing. And it's up to us to have good, honest conversations when well, we see people the, the problem that are is, keyboard warriors. The, problem, the yeah. real problem is that most good people that think clearly, that have common sense, that are loving, say nothing. And that's that's not good. That's the truth. It's not good, though. Go back to what yeah, Tom said. It's the truth. Yeah, go, when, back, go back to what well, Tom when said. When was the last time I posted? I don't post anything. And the right. reason why is because it's not, and I'm not saying it's not worth my time, I'm just not going to allow myself, and this, and by using this podcast, I obviously post every week, but I'm not going to allow myself to get into a conversation with somebody I don't have a relationship with. For me, it's easier if I have a relationship with you and I see something you're doing, I will go directly to you and say, hey, how are you doing? Or can I go sit down with coffee? Right. But the relationship part of that is important because then there's context, there's background, there's right. we understand each other, you know where I'm coming and from. And I think that uh, calling out like a church culture or calling out church leadership and accountability and all that stuff, I don't think it's so bad. You can go overboard with it, but... Because uh, I've done that for sure before, but um, I, I I think that uh, have you? I have. Yeah, 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 hundred <laughs> percent. And I yes. and I regret doing that sometimes because I get fired up about an issue, and I'm speaking to. I mean, most of my Facebook crowd are church people, right? So, but sure. still, there's people that aren't. And, yeah, and I shouldn't do that because it's like airing our dirty laundry in front of people. I've heard so, some of the more ridiculous comments I've ever heard come from the pulpit in a church. Mm. Now, going back to Tom, what Tom said. If you go to a university campus and you want to ask a question about world history, they will send you to the history department. Mm -hmm. If you want to uh, get a question answered about Plato or whatever, they'll send you to this one. Chemistry, they'll send you to this one. But if you have a question about religion, everybody's a pro. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Everybody can answer that one, you know. And so let me go back to what I said earlier. I want to kind of finish this conversation uh, right here. Uh, you know, the Bible, the gospel... Uh, it makes claims about life that, that's really right on. For example, uh, the gospel, uh, the Bible makes comments about trials and problems that, 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 that make sense. And when you see trials and problems in the, in the same way that the Bible teaches us to see them, that it brings maturity and it, 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 it forms your character. Uh, that has a whole different, you know, uh, outlook of, of, of problems or about problems, finances, uh, you know, they make sense with a biblical view. I mean, the Bible, a lot of people doesn't even know the Bible teaches this. God wants to bless us. And sometimes he'll use his supernatural powers or his divine laws would be a better way to say it, to bless us, but he blesses us so that we will bless others. It's a win-win. And when you see finances in that, in that uh, way, it transforms you. Social injustice, stupid things, you know. I mean, when you see things from the biblical viewpoint, when you see things the way Bible teaches them to be, it really liberates you. See, today we live in, a, I, I think, would you agree, Tom, mostly in a postmodern world mindset. Uh, truth yes. is subjective. Yes. It's well, very subjective. You know the one thing I'll say here, Pastor, and, you know, and people might think that, you know, you know, because you and I have a lot of roles, but what you have taught us at Valley Bible Fellowship, and I'll say this boldly and unashamedly and unequivocally, and I will stand behind it. You have taught us a way of Christianity that works. 
Yes, we have. I, I mean, so. I mean, there Hope is so. a, there isn't one situation that I can go into that I'm not prepared to engage in a conversation and explain it biblically because you've stood from the pulpit, you've lived it out, you've shown us how to do it, and 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 the where I think that people get messed up is when they don't have that example yeah. for them. I agree because because you know there's so many topics that are that are just touchy. You know, and if you come out and you explain it, because one of the things you taught me early on is in James 3, 17, it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace loving, gentle and reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, free from hypocrisy. When you say that's what God offers, how can anybody complain with that? Exactly. But but when people start coming in, they're not peace loving. They're not mm-hmm. gentle. They're not mm-hmm. reasonable. Mm-hmm. They are not full of mercy and good fruits. That means showing it. That's where people have a problem, right? Yeah. I mean, it's when you're hypocritical. It's where you can't stand behind what you believe. Have you ever heard this one? I, I just recently heard that uh, Dr. James Dobson sat down with Jeffrey Dahmer and led him to Christ. I think you, Ted Bundy, too. Wow, really? I didn't know that. I thought, Isn't that I think, wild? That I is crazy. That. I didn't wow. know that. I just heard that. Yeah. I, well, you, 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 so, you, like, how many times can you say, I won't do that until you get in the position? Yeah. Pastor, how many times you and I sit in front of inmates that have done horrible things yes. and and feel compelled to give them compassion? Yes. You and I went in with, we're, you're, you're speaking to 300 guys in orange jumpsuits. Yeah. And each one of them, I remember we... I, audience we pastor ron and i went in one in time and pastor ron worked, looked at me and goes tom there's more of them than there are us yes <laughs> because the, and we had a little doorbell we were going to ring if <laughs> if a problem occurred and these guards were like blocks away so, but i'm just uh, saying but that's we, why it's called amazing grace i mean it's amazing it is yes. it, it, it really it, is it, it is and and I, I i think as as you walk through subjects and you can look at people in the eye and say let me explain how i yeah. rule my life but i'm not putting my I'm not putting it on you. So talking about relevancy again, it's a hard, it's a hard uh, thing to gauge relevancy mm-hmm. because it, anybody in on the planet is probably relevant to somebody in some mm-hmm. respect, right? Um, but how relevant you are as an individual, I think, depends on how uh, much you do act upon your beliefs and yeah. show your beliefs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're in a place, we're in a society right now where. I respect your views on abortion. Agree yeah. with your views on abortion, um, but if you if you take that stance, Tom, then you're expected to take all these other stances mm-hmm. that go along with that party's. Right. Views. Yes. And so we live in a very tribalistic culture where yes. it's like it's like people say, "Well, you don't stand up for ten things over here, right. then you're you're hypocritical. Right. You're not you're not on the right yeah. side because we have to win." Right. And I'm sitting here saying, "No, we have to think for ourselves." Yeah. Right. And every yeah. single situation yeah. and every single person is different. Right. That's the truth. Well, the gun law is a good going out of abortion. The gun laws, like we, you know, talked about, and you have a lot of people, again, the same kind of feeling like, don't you dare take her gun. Don't you do this. Don't you do that. And you've shared, Pastor, from the pulpit. Yeah, we're having more strict rules for people to not have gun. That makes sense. I'm all for it. Yeah. So, no one, so, but I think. Our laws in California, so far, they could get worse, as Tom was talking about, but they're not terrible. I mean, you have to wait. You have to have a background. I have no problem with that. I have no problem with that. But let me say something, and this is, this is on the fringe here. Yeah. But you, you people have to keep in mind 
that some of these people high up in politics that have these radical ideas about Agendas, guns, yeah. they have guys with them who have guns yes. all the time guarding oh, them. Right. They're in, in gated areas where, where they're not like the common person out there. So right. even well, though they, the, they might be speaking against guns, they have people with guns guarding well, them. Well, the most influential people on the planet right now are oftentimes the most hypocritical, and that's what's hard. Well, right. and, and they're right. non-relevant. Well, one of our yes. one of our California, I won't name, I won't, but one of our California uh, gov- or senators, <laughs> wait during co- COVID, I just said one of ours, um, when in, during COVID said mask up, don't you go in public, and then was caught not masked up in right. public, and it was like, come the on, speaker guys. Of the House, right? Nancy Pelosi Schmabin, did that, Schmusen. and they blame the but, people. Yeah, I don't, but when I you bring say. this over to the mm-hmm. church, isn't this why a lot of young people don't come to church? Right, of it's exactly the same. Now going yeah. back, I want to make this very simple. This is my belief system. Uh, I read a story a while back about, uh, this is quite a few years back, obviously. You'll see why in a moment. But a young man bought a Model A, one of the first ones out, and and it was uh, sometime after it was invented. And he was out driving along the road, and the Model A conked out on him. And so he stopped and lifted up the hood, and he was working away on it for about 30 minutes. Along came a limousine. And out stepped an old man, very refined in a suit, and said, hey, you having problems with that? He said, yeah, I am. He said, well, maybe I could help you. He said, sir, this is not a horse and buggy. <laughs> and so the old man just sat there and watched him for a few more minutes. He said, you won't give me a chance? He said, okay, go ahead. The old man looked under the hood and had it fixed in five minutes. He said, wow, that was crazy. How'd you do that? He said, well, my name's Henry Ford, and I invented this thing, and <laughs> I pretty awesome. much knew where to look. And I think... For us to have a healthy life, we need mm. to go back to the God who yes, created us. That's so good. He left us with a book. And sometimes I refer to it as an owner's manual. Some people don't like that, but nevertheless. Let me just say this too about relevancy. Uh, it's starting to become popular and don't understood that that um, there's three different types of health, mental, spiritual, and physical. Uh, and spiritual has been out of... Uh, out of fad for a while. Like it hasn't been, you know, talked about a lot, but now it's starting to be talked about more and more. Um, And I would argue that Jesus is the uh, most important spiritual leader of all time. Of all times. Written about more than any other figure in history. And so even if you say, hey, I don't, I don't know if he's the son of God, that, you know, at least start, start there and, there. and, 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 and check it out for yourself because uh, what he taught, is real. Real. I have a book in my library somewhere, Scientists Who Believe, and I've referred to it before, and it has all these stories of scientist after scientist after scientist, and atheist after atheist, who, you know, they, they, they put God to the test, like I did. That's the way yes. I got saved. I didn't believe God was real. I, I wasn't an atheist. I was more of an agnostic, maybe. But I put God to the test. And you know what? Found out it's true. Um you know, again, now, now some non-believing people believe that to be a Christian, you have to believe in stuff that just isn't true to life and doesn't work really at all in life. And I disagree. Uh, some of the stuff that you hear about that you think doesn't work, it doesn't work simply because the people trying to work it are confused. They don't know how to work it. Mm. For example, like prayer, prayer works. A lot of people, because they don't understand prayer, they go, I tried it, it didn't work. But prayer is not a, 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 a magic, uh, you know, phrase that you're going to repeat and something great's going to come out of it. But prayer is a process. It's a process. Um, 
the Bible teaches us to cast our cares on God because he cares for us. And when we think about that imagery, we think about disciples fishing in their day where they would throw a net overboard into the water and they let it sit for a while. They'd bring it in. They'd take the fish out, take the debris out and throw it over here, separate it from the fish. And they'd throw it out again, bring it in and do the same thing, separate the fish from the debris. And when we pray, it's kind of like the same thing very often. We go to God with our problem and he says a couple good things to us and says other stuff, or says about good things to us. The other stuff we're hearing, we kind of cast it aside and go, I've heard a good thing here. We go back and pray the next day or week. He says a few good things to us and we cast aside our thoughts over here and we keep doing that until he leads us to what he's trying to show us. But most people don't understand prayer in that way. Hearing God's voice, we have a podcast on that. Uh, Healing. See, I believe we're on this earth to do what Jesus did when he was on the earth, but not in the same way. Jesus was a healer. We're a healer, but in a different way than Jesus was a healer. Uh, For example, I've been healed of one cancer, and I think I'm on the verge of maybe a second one being healed from. But it's a process. It's not just going up in a prayer line and someone saying, in Jesus' name, be healed, and you walk out well. It doesn't work that way. It did in the life of Jesus very often because he was a son of God. But in, in my, uh, you know, uh, experience with healing, it's God speaking to me over a course of weeks and months and saying, don't eat this. You need to eat that. And don't do what these doctors say. At one point in time, God spoke to me through a set of circumstances and says, don't take chemotherapy. Had I taken chemotherapy with hindsight, I wouldn't have got on the pill today that I'm on that saves you from this disease. And so what I'm trying to say is, there's a lot of people out there that believe that Christianity doesn't work because they've been taught by someone on the internet or someone else, mm-hmm. or they've Googled something that is written by someone that doesn't know how it works, uh, how the process works. God's word to me, as Tom said earlier, is, is, is 100% true. And in my 50 years, a lot of it, I've learned how to make it work in my life, but it's taken a lot of trial and error. And so again, uh, a lot of people don't believe because they think they're told to believe in stuff that they were never told to believe in mm. because someone didn't understand it. Mm. Uh, holiness, you know, uh, this is crazy. Non-believers look at us and, and, and they see holiness in a different way we see holiness. Now, I grew up with a hypocritical view of holiness. Uh, when I was raised, I was given rules that I was supposed to, I was supposed to live by that didn't make a lot of sense. I, I couldn't uh, have a deck of cards in the house, okay? Give me the reasoning behind that. I only have old May cards. Um, I can't go to a movie show or theater. Why? Uh, couldn't go to dances. I couldn't drink a beer. And they'd say, because God said so. And I'd say, where did God say that? And what it did, it did to me then what it's doing to a lot of young people today. It drove me away from the church. But if I go back and, you know, I uh, see the reason behind holiness, then holiness takes on a whole different view. Uh, For example, I don't frequent nightclubs. I stay away from those. And holiness is basically, it's separating yourself from stuff so that you you can do God's will in your life. I don't go to clubs because if I go there, I don't know why. I'm kind of weak. I can't sit there and watch girls in little mini skirts doing their moves without affecting me. 
And so I'm going, that'll affect me in a bad way, cause me to do things I shouldn't do, and it's going to hurt me. So, having so reasons, I'm just not going to go. Yeah, so having reasons for yourself. What you're talking about is values and setting your own values. Well, I'm saying there's reasons morals. behind right. it. Why don't I drink and party down? Why don't I, I, I you know, why Jesus, do I do these things? Jesus came against the religious people who preached things they didn't understand, like you said. Right. And there were people who preached things, but they weren't even living it. And Jesus yeah, came against it. them. Yeah. yeah. And said, "What do you, you know? What are you doing? Right. You're you not. You called them out. Your lips, but your heart. Yeah, are he far, called them out. Heart, and so, um, you're you're totally right, Dad. Uh, you have to have your own reasons for, uh, for to keep yourself on the path. Well, when I was raised, right, you couldn't go into a, if you went to a bar, you were going to hell. Uh, a few years back, I went to the bikers bar in Colorado because God told me to go in there, and I led some people to Christ. Hopefully, I mean it's crazy. Now I like what Jay Warner Wallace says." Uh, when he speaks to young people, he some of you believe that if I become one of those, one of those Christians, then I'll have to vote for this person or that person, and I have to do this, this. They don't see any reasoning behind it, but he said this. I think a lot of you need to write this down. He says, a lot of us, he said, we're just trying to vote for people who come the closest to what our Christian worldview espouses. And sometimes we have to ride an ugly horse to get to that destination. And so when you see it in that light, you go, okay, now I understand it. So I'm just saying there's a lot of misunderstanding out there today about what the Bible does teach. If, If those people out there who are atheists or agnostics, if they really knew what the Bible taught and really knew how... Uh, you know, uh, what is the word I want to use, how uh, effective it is yeah. and how right on it is, they'd be busting the doors down to get into the church to talk to the people that know how to make this stuff work. I think the living it out part is huge, just being simple. I think your approach, Tom was talking about earlier, is you made the word simple of like just do these little things yes. and start somewhere. I was I was uh, talking to my, o- my older son the other day, and uh, we were in a conversation it was maybe a month ago, and I was like, have you ever tried to use the force? I was like, we were laughing. And then he looked at me like str- with like strange eyes. And he's like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Like, you know, like the force start. Have you ever tried to use the force, you know, when they can move? <laughs> and he just starts laughing. I'm all, you know, you have. Because I was laughing because as a guy, if you've ever yeah. watched a Star Wars movie, you're like, maybe. I've only used it to try to get the remote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jo- Josh is going to have to get out of here in a moment. But let me say one last thing. Are we willing to be the minority? in society because we are the minority. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, even Matthew chapter 5, what does it say? Jesus says, uh, blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely in account of me. Rejoice and be glad for your reward in heaven is great. So they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And then he goes on to say, you're the salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. You're the salt. You yeah. flavor things up, and yes, salt kind of burns wounds. He says, if you if you lose that 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 flavor, if you if you become tasteless, you're not any good to my kingdom anymore. Mm. And so, I, I did want to end. And Josh, I know you got to go, but I want to say just before we do go, and you guys might have more to add on to that. But I want to, in a moment, give five reasons why we believe God's word is relevant today, and just just basically, it'll take one minute to read them or two. But let's let's go. Anything else you want to say for you? I know you got to check out of here. Uh, no, I just realized I left my water hose on uh, in my pool. So. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, it's relevant, John. Yeah. Good thing we have extra water. <laughs> so it's water hard for me not to think about uh-huh. anything else right now. Let me just mention these. Let me, uh, take me, take me three Why do minutes. we think about that right when we're doing something uh, else, right? I don't know. <laughs> okay, r- r- real quickly, five reasons why 
why I believe that God's Word is relevant today. Number one, its words and its wisdom, they're timeless. When you read the book of Solomon today, you're blown away going, that applies to today. Uh, they're just as true now as they were then. Number two, the accuracy of the accuracy of the Bible. I mean, that's a whole broadcast by itself. Jesus' birth, man, it, it said it, and it was yeah. accurate. I mean, his arrival in history, you go back hundreds of years in Daniel, go back hundreds and hundreds of years, and it, it gave us the timeline, and you could count the days off, and they said he'll be born, or not born, but he'll ride into Jerusalem, and he rode into Jerusalem. He was revealed as Messiah. Number three, it's a living book. No other books ever said that. Second Timothy three sixteen seventeen, it pops off the page when you read it. it. It's life. Number four, it's a book of truth. I mean, see how true the teachings of Jesus are on love and forgiveness and self control and and service and humility. And fifthly, it was written by God through men. Yes, but He inspired men to write this. I could go on and on. I mean, I could take this broadcast another 30 minutes today. But anything we want to say in in wrapping this thing up, because I know we don't want your pool overflowing. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, No, I I just think that it's important to be real and honest. mm -hmm. That's at the end of the day. And don't make decisions based on fear, whether a group's going to accept you or whether another group's going to reject you. Um, Make decisions based on conviction. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about the most relevant thing in the world right now. This is for the world. It'll save the world. And yet people we, we, want to shut us up. They don't want us talking about I, it. I'll say this. If you want eternity, you're going to need to open the Bible. Hmm. If you want to live forever, you're going to have to open it up. You have to yeah, know what it says I, anyway. I, I mean, I think that's the re- relevancy all in itself. Tom, we're talking about eternal life mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. And if we read our Bible correctly, not everybody's going to get eternal life. You're going to have to believe in the Lord. You're going to have to believe in Him. You're going to have to, to make Jesus your Savior. And, and this is important stuff. This isn't something you can just listen to and scoot it over to the side. You need to all do what a lot of these people have done in the past, very influential people. I mean, this is important enough for you to go out and say, i got to find out if God's real or not. And if He's real and if He's the truth, then I need to get into this. I need to yeah. search this out more. Well, we've said before that if you know you're right, and it doesn't matter, then we haven't heard anything. But if we're right, it does matter. It matters. Everything matters. So I know we're cutting short here today, but we love you guys. And uh, please continue to communicate with us. We'd love to hear your communication. Uh, I wish I could talk about some of the letters and emails we have received lately. And, and we just appreciate all you guys. And we read every single one of them. So God bless, and we'll get out of here and yep. see you next week. Thanks, guys. Your daddy is right.